This morning, it's going to be a little bit different for our, our sermon as we wrap up our sermon series, Hope in the Dark. I always want us to do a sermon series, uh, something along the lines of Hope in the Dark, something that is uh, somewhat mental, emotional, physical, spiritual health related when it comes to those kinds of things around this time of the year, because I know as we get into the Advent season and we're celebrating Jesus' birth and looking forward to his second coming, that sometimes we're not always feeling it. Like some of us for Thanksgiving maybe had a different experience than we've ever had this year because of things that have changed in our life or our family's life and those kinds of things. And and so we want to recognize and acknowledge it and, and just admit that scripture talks about these things. A lot of times we, we hold these things uh, close to our chest. We don't share them with other people, and yet God cares about these things very deeply. Scripture talks about them regularly. And so Christina is up here this morning, and I'm going to tell you why here in, in just a minute. But I just want to kind of remind us a little bit, because some of you maybe have not been with us for our, our entire sermon series. So here's, here's what's happened. For the last three weeks, we've gone through the three chapters of the book of Habakkuk, and we just talked about what it means to hold on to hope in the midst of life not being good. Is, is God good even when life isn't? And so we've been talking about that. We've been going through those three chapters, and we've been talking about just practical things that we can do to embrace God in the midst of maybe the darkness, the times where we feel kind of hopeless in life. And so there's practical things that we've been talking about when we feel like we're stumbling around in the dark spiritually have been speaking to God honestly. Actually, some of you, some of you just have not been just don't even know that this is something that you can do, but you can actually tell God how you're feeling. Like, if you're not feeling it that day, it's okay to say, God, I'm not feeling it that day. Like, where are you? What's, what's going on here? So speaking honestly in those moments, but also listening carefully is a part of that communion, that prayer life that we have, that we have with God. Um, and then we talked about waiting actively, that even when we don't know what's happening or what's going on, there are things that we know that we can do uh, as, as part of God's will, uh, that we remember what he has done for us, that we trust, that as we remember what God has done for us, that his, his revealed character and nature will continue to be what he has shown us that it is as we continue on in our life so we can trust him in those moments of darkness. And then finally, we can praise him uh, despite what we are in the midst of because it produces the perspective that we need in those moments. All of this allows us to wrestle with the dark while embracing the hope that God continues to be faithful. It is God's strength that brings us through the valley up to the mountaintop. Um, where we're headed, because we are following God, there is no darkness. There, there is only light. In fact, when, when heaven is described, that eternal life that we're all called into, that we get to look forward to on the other side of this life, um, there is no need for the sun, moon, and stars, because God is producing light from himself. There, there is no darkness where he is. And so we just hold on to the light as we get glimpses of that light on the side of heaven. And so much of what actually enables us to hold on to hope in the midst of the darkness is people being, able to, being willing to share their story and the moments in which they have held on to hope, even though they've stumbled around the dark some. And that's why Christina is here. So a few weeks ago, Christina made the mistake. I mean, Christina said, hey, Rob, you know, there, you, you know about some things that have been going on. And so I just want to let you know, if there's ever a time where you think that that might be helpful for me to share, I'd be willing to share my story. And I said, okay. And so now Christina is here. And I don't, how are you feeling about that now? Uh. <laughs> All right, that's a perfect, that's a perfect response. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. I didn't drag Christina up here, but I, I just said, hey, 
So here's what I'm thinking. We've got the sermon series. It might be cool if you're totally comfortable with it. This is your decision. I'm not, you know, didn't manipulate or anything like that. No manipulative language. But it might be really cool if you would just share your experience and your story, you know, with, with us. Because, like I said, I know a little bit of, uh, of what, what you've gone through. And, and to me, the powerful thing in us sharing one another's stories is realizing we're not alone. And that's, that's one of our, our rules here at Velocity is no one stands alone. And a lot of times we feel like we have to. Um, I don't want to burden somebody else with this thing. I don't want to tell, tell people what, what's going on. And yet that, that's part of why we're called into a community together as, as believers. Um, and so Christina is willing to share her story. I thought this would be an amazing time. So I just, I want to, I want to give you the floor. I've got a couple questions I'll ask you as we go, but Christina, tell us your story. Thank you. Um, yeah, uh, I felt like it would be appropriate can to... I, can, I, can I just pause you right there for a second? <laughs> For building anticipation, this is this is a this is a good thing. So Christina, um, Christina works here on staff at Velocity. She is our administration guru. I think I think we say director or whatever, you know. But um, she does a little bit of everything. So um, she is also fully support raised to be here on staff. That means that she we like we would love to pay Christina full time to, to be able to do that here, um, do all the things she does here amazingly, um, but we aren't able to, and so she has gone out and raised support to be able to work here at this church. So I just want to let you know, we don't talk about that a whole lot. Some of you know, know that already because we have talked about that, but Christina does, um, does everything with excellence and is a, an amazing human being in person, and so I didn't really introduce you, so there, there's an introduction for Christina. All right, now you may continue. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, yeah, uh, so um, I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, as we go through this sermon series, Hope in the Dark. Um, just the last year um, has been a heavy period of darkness in, in my own life, and um, I'm thankful that I've, I've been able to sort of come out of that. and. Um, you know, we'll continue to kind of hopefully come out of that. And um, many of you are familiar with this um, story of mine. And uh, so I'm glad to be able to have this opportunity to, to share it with all of you. Um, but essentially, I um, have been having a really difficult struggle um, with anxiety. And um, I've actually shared about this here before at, at Velocity um, years ago. when <laughs> um, We did a, a similar sermon series on this. And um, but a lot has changed since then, a lot has developed since then. So um, essentially, um, starting probably like seven or eight years ago, I wanna say, um, I was just going through a lot of life changes, many of which were good, um, but a lot of which were just difficult. And I hadn't really realized it at the time, but I was having a lot of stress um, kind of build up. And um, it kind of culminated to the point where I'd started to have physical symptoms, you know. I'd started to have chest pain, and I would have these, like, really strange back aches and stuff, and I was just like, like what is happening, you know? Um, and anxiety tends to manifest physically a lot, and uh, so that was my, my warning flag, right? And uh, so I ended up um, going to the doctor, uh, going to more doctors, going to the cardiologist, <laughs> and uh, he basically looked at me and said, you're stressed. And I was like... So stop it. 
No, I'm not. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That I was mean, a I... joke. That was a joke. That was a joke. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I, I was like, I, I don't think I'm stressed, you know. Um, but as time went on, I started to realize, yeah, yeah, I am kind of stressed. And um, after about a year or so, I ended up having um, a really traumatic um, panic attack when I was on a trip um, for work at the time. And um, that kind of gave me my first taste of real strong fear and, and what that feels like. And um, so fast forward to, to last year and, uh, you know, COVID has, had, had kind of come and gone and, and things were sort of, you know, slowing down for me in a lot of ways. I'd, I had a job change. I was working here and like, like life was really good, honestly. Like I, so this kind of surprised me, I guess, the way it came up. But Aaron and I were on a trip and um, I essentially started to have some panic symptoms again and anxiety symptoms. Um, and I ended up being sort of in a state of panic for about four or five days straight. Um, and that's when I just started to think like, oh my goodness, like I have a, I'm having like a serious problem. And so we came, came home from the trip and we ended up going on, going on another trip and it happened again. And then next time um, we were supposed to go on another trip and before we even left, it happened. So it was starting to get more and more pervasive. Um, so with that one, I um, was legitimately stuck in a state of panic for about five days um, and ended up going to patient first. Um, so I was just devastated. I, I mean, it, I, it's hard to even explain just how upset I was because I, I was just like, I don't, I don't even know what to do with this. You know, like when you just, um, you know, think about like the most afraid you've ever felt <laughs> um, and then just have that for no reason all the time. Like that's kind of what was, what was going on to give you an idea. So I recognized that I needed help and um, I started to, to try a bunch of different things and I'll talk a little bit about that, but um, I sought out counseling, um, sought out Christian counseling, uh, made some changes. Um, and by the grace of God, even though I still struggle with this a little bit, um, I'm actually one year panic attack free, um, <laughs> which is, <laughs> um, and you know, I still, I still fear that, um, but I've learned how to manage it and it's, it's grown, um, I don't know if I'd say easier, but simpler, I think, because now I know what, what to do when that happens. Um, so I'm still healing and I, I, still, I still deal with it, um, but I'm doing much, much better now. So, um, you know, as we, talk, as we talk about this, this has been Christina's experience. You know, some, sometimes the, the darkness that we go through, sometimes it's a mental, emotional challenge. Sometimes it's, you know, chemical imbalance. Sometimes it's um, just things that have happened, right, that, that, that build up. Sometimes it's a, a situational issue that brings us into that moment. You know, we lost our job. We don't know if we can get back into our career. You know, those, those kinds of things. Um, you know, financially, you know, we're just, just not where we need to be. You know, we've lost the house, what, those kinds of things. And sometimes it's relationally. You know, a loved one passes away or a friendship or something, something like that ends up. Um, there, there's, there's so many different, you know, ways in which we can end up kind of in, stuck in that valley of, of the shadow. And, and yet the principles of, of kind of working through that all, all kind of come together and, and really are the same you know, as, as we move through. And one of the things that's always consistent through all, through all those scenarios is um, 
you know, just the struggle of, of wrestling and embracing, you know, Habakkuk's name means to embrace, and we talked about that, what it means to wrestle versus embrace, you know, withholding onto our faith. But sometimes we hear things that aren't very helpful, like somebody says, stop it, you know, just stop. Like if you're worried or stressed, you know, so that was a joke that I don't think went over very well because I think enough of us have kind of heard that before. It's like, well, if you just quit it, it won't be a problem, right? Even now we're kind of having like, is he, what, was it, is he being serious there? I don't know. Or maybe we'll hear things like, well, you know, man, you just, just need to have faith. So just, just need to have more faith, Christina, right? And that makes everything better, right? And Christina's laughing because she and I have had plenty of conversations, uh, you know, about, uh, about these kinds of things. What if, what's, what's been a struggle for you in holding on to faith during, during this time? Um, honestly, um, you know, I, I grew up, you know, in the faith, um, you know, from a very young age. I was baptized at a really young age, so I, I placed my faith in Christ. Um, you know, over 20 years ago at this point. And um, honestly, the, the biggest thing that I was really struggling with was just if God cared about what I was going through. Um, if he had like kind of just left me or even worse, like probably, probably the, the biggest thing for me was thinking through like, you know, if, he, if he's good, then like surely he wouldn't want me to go through this. That must mean I must have like done something wrong <laughs> to like somehow end up with this burden. You know, it was sort of like this weird like I must be doing something wrong. Like I must not be, I must not have enough faith or you know something. So there was this kind of tension um, playing there a lot of the time, and uh, I was honestly just afraid that I was never going to find a, a solution and uh, that I would end up being a burden to like other people around me. And I'd started to veer into sort of this hopelessness. And I recognized that and was like, okay, <laughs> I need, I need to figure this out, you know, because, um, you know, I didn't want to, you know, get too caught up in, um, just kind of the, the temptation that was there with that. Um, cause honestly, I think, you know, whether like what you talked about, like whether it stems from a chemical imbalance or something else, like, um, the devil's MO is that exact thing. It's just that, that discouragement. And, um, I recognize like, okay, I need to, need to try to get ahead of this. And, um, I love, I love yeah. that you, you called hopelessness a temptation. Cause I, I think that, I think that encapsulates that very well. Yeah. I didn't mean to. No, you're good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's all. Yeah. Um, so in the midst of that, so we, we've, talk, we've talked about some of the practical things that, that we looked through, and I think about the last, last week, you know, the chapter three where Habakkuk, you know, the conversation ends in chapter two, right? He and God are done talking. So there's, there's not really been a conclusion to the matter in that, and yet Habakkuk goes through this proper, uh, process of writing this hymn, this prayer in chapter three where he's remembering what God has done. He's going to choose to trust in God's character and nature with what, what he's done. That he's going to continue, you know, to be faithful with his promises, and he's going to praise him in the midst of that. So what are the promises of God that you've been hoping in and trusting in and, and uh, looking, looking to in the midst of this? So th that's actually been really huge for me, um, is uh, being able to focus on just the character and nature of God. Um, ironically, at the time that I was struggling with all this, um, I uh, had been reading a book um, that has nothing to do explicitly with mental health at all. <laughs> um, but it's called None Like Him by Jen Wilkin, um, if you're familiar with her at all. She's a um, Bible study um, writer and, and teacher and speaker, that kind of thing, mostly for women. And um, this book, None Like Him, it's talking about um, 10 different ways, not that that's exclusive, but 10 different ways that um, we are not like God and that God is just 
unlike any, any, anything anyone else. And uh, I kind of, as I was reading this, um, I just kind of had to recognize the ways in which he is just so vastly different from us. And I guess like she talks about this idea in this book of um, understanding and coming to grips with the um, limits that he has placed on us as humans. Um, and that may sound kind of weird, but essentially what I mean by limits and what she means by limits is that, you know, with God, he knows everything. He's all powerful. I, by implication of that, don't know everything and I'm not all powerful. Um, and I think sometimes we can go through life and kind of have maybe too high expectations of what we're actually being asked to do and what we're actually capable of. And, um, you know, we, we do what we can, but then we also lean into the grace of God um, to help kind of take care of, of the rest of the things that we're trying to do. And so like some of the things that I was going through, you know, fearing that he wasn't present, um, you know, reading about his omnipresence, this idea that he is, you know, everywhere um, and around us all the time and working all the time. And, um, you know, for me, he was um, always there and seeing my pain. And I had to be reminded of that through, through this book I was reading. Um, and one scripture that, that came to mind that helped me a lot through that was Psalm uh, 31.7. says, I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love because you have seen my affliction. You have known the distress of my soul. Um, and just being able to be reminded of that promise, it was like, okay, I know he hasn't left. So what's going on, you know? Um, another thing that I was learning was just his, his omniscience. Um, you know, the fact that he knows everything. Um, you know, his omnipotence, the fact that he's all powerful. Um, I don't know if you've ever been through a time where you've said, <clears throat> you know, I wish I knew blank, you know, or I wish I knew like what would happen, or, you know, I wish I could do something about that. Like that, that's kind of that tension, I think, that sort of comes out. And, um, you know, I kept realizing like, I, I can't know everything that's gonna happen, um, and I can't do everything about everything that I wanna, wanna do, you know? Um, only, only he can do those kinds of things. And just kind of being reminded of, of that distinction um, actually really brought me a lot of peace because I was realizing <clears throat> just how many ways I had been um, buying, into, buying into this illusion of control. Um, and Jen talks about, she says, um, <clears throat> our comfort lies not in holding all knowledge but in trusting the one who does. Um, and I really tried to grasp onto that in the midst of this, trying to understand that the things that I was fearing, the things that I was going through, um, he was sovereign over those things, and I could lean into that and rely on that. Um, and then another thing that, that she said that really helped me was, um, how committed are you to the myth of your own sovereignty? And that was kind of what really stuck with me. You know, how committed am I to the myth of my own sovereignty, to the idea that I have control over everything? Um, so trying to work on separating out the things that, you know, that he's called me to do versus the things that, you know, he hasn't called me to do and the things that I need to relinquish and surrender over to him. Um, and something that she talked about too that just really helped me um, in thinking about the, the character and nature of God and the promises of him is, um, you know, we often think about mental health as a self-worth issue and that can sometimes be a part of it. Um, but sometimes it's an issue of awe. A-W-E, all. Um, this idea of, you know, if we're, think about like when you're out on a drive, you know, in the, in the nice Virginia fall weather, and uh, you're in your head the whole time, you're, you're just thinking about other things, and you're, you're, you know, 
driving, driving down the road, and there's all this, you know, beauty of, of the fall leaves and stuff all around you, but you are completely not seeing it because you're, you're in your head, right? Versus if you're taking the time to look around you and to see what's outside of, of yourself and to see what's around you, and you're seeing the, the brilliance of those colors and the beauty of that nature that God's blessed us with, and it's sort of like that. It's like if I keep my eyes on my circumstances, I'm not keeping them on Him. Um, and instead being able to shift my, my focus from the things that I was going through and turning them um, onto him and onto his character and nature, um, you know, it allowed me to be filled with awe and it, it kind of took my mind off the things that I was going through or at least it recontextualized them for me so that I could understand them more in light of who he is. Which is, I just, just throw in, um, that, that's a big cultural issue that we have in our society right now is that we, we say things like, well, we don't have enough self-worth, and so we need, to keep, we need to keep digging in and focusing more inward and doing what we feel that we want to do. Like, that, that, that's, the, like that's the solution to building up our self-worth. And I think, um, I think what you're describing, especially like personal sovereignty and essentially making ourselves an idol. I mean, that, that's what we're talking about, is, is worshiping our own feelings, worshiping our own desires versus saying, no, hey, there's actually something much greater and much more expansive than just me. And, and if I'm able to put my life in the perspective of that, then, then that's where I will discover my intrinsic value, that, that I'm included in, that God includes, includes me in this. You know, it's, it's such, a, such a special thing, and it's much more um, significant and lasting of a foundation than saying uh, everything, everything that makes me valuable or worthy is stuff that I, that my feelings and things that come from within, because those things collapse. Um, and, and we've all, you know, if we haven't experienced that, you will at some, at some point. Um, just the nature of our own mortality, all, the, all those kinds of things, our fallibility. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I just think, I think it's a great, great point to make. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, uh, yeah, you know, throughout all that, I kept saying, you know, kind of, God, I need you to give me something to work with here. Like, I, I can't really, you know, navigate this well without knowing how to, how to navigate it, right? Um, and I'm even married to a therapist, by the way. So, <laughs> um, that being said, um, you know, I, I didn't realize, you know, that while that was true, you know, kind of this idea of this balance of, like, you know, what, what God is over and, and what we've been asked to, to deal with and, and handle the responsibilities that we have, um, you know, I, I, you know, was trying to figure out, well, what do I, what do I do next, right? Like, how do I, how do I get through this faithfully, right? Um, how do I get through this in the way that God would want me to get through this? And uh, I uh, was comforted by Psalm 69:13. Um, it says, "But as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord, at an acceptable time, O God, in the abundance of your steadfast love, answer me in your saving faithfulness." Um, the key part of that that stood out to me was at an acceptable time. Um, my time's never God's time. <laughs> That's what I just keep learning. And, uh, you know, so I was, I was praying and just asking, you know, God, like, I just need, need some help with this, right? Um, to be honest, I think I was kind of afraid to hope in, in having um, success with that. I think I was kind of afraid to hope in healing. Um, I think just because sometimes um, a lot of the modern thought around mental health, um, you know, for better or worse, I, I kind of felt like, well, maybe this is just how I am now, you know? And, and I do think that that can be true, um, you know? But at least in my case, I think I was just running 
too hard for too long and just kind of not thinking about the amount of stress that was building up. And um, I've honestly, you know, I was working in campus ministry at the time and I honestly just thought stress was normal. Um, and uh, I thought that, you know, just I was busy doing good things. It's just a part of it. Um, but the reality was that, you know, that, that wasn't the case. And um, I didn't realize the ways in which I was expecting myself to sort of be like God, It'd be, to be able to handle everything that, that comes my way, to be, you know, blank enough, you know, whatever that is, strong enough, knowledgeable enough, you know, whatever, whatever it was. Um, so I didn't realize just the ways I, in which I was holding myself to that, that standard, and we're just not meant to, to meet that. Um, so I just needed to accept the limits that God had created me with and to rest in his grace. And um, I think a lot of the times those limits are, are a gift. Um, you know, it may sound weird, like, you know, I'm, oh no, oh no I'm, not, I'm not strong enough. That can't be a good thing, right? But actually it kind of is because that means that we can lean into his strength. Um, and that was just the thing that, that I had to learn at that time that, you know, I needed to, to take the time to rest in his grace during that. Yeah, I, I, what was so important about that, I think, is, you know, the, uh, our capacity for, for change. There's so many studies about that. Um, and, and a lot of times people draw out of that the conclusion that, well, we just, just need to exercise more willpower. Um, willpower for us, though, is a finite resource. For God, it isn't. Um, and so I think, I think that's a really important, uh, important key part of that. Uh, so just, just, uh, just briefly, you know, you, you talked about not seeing the forest for the trees, right? And I, I just, just want to ask you, how have you seen God move in this time? I know you've been trying to be intentional about that. And so how have you seen God move in the midst of this? Yeah, um, I think that I've just been more and more convinced of his faithfulness. Um, I think that, you know, he's shown me a lot more of who he is and that um, I can trust in him and, and lean into him. And um, I was reading this, uh, you know, devotional um, that was talking about this idea of having uh, hope despite our circumstances. Um, and it was going through these verses in John 11 um, where Lazarus has passed away and his sisters Mary and Martha are grieving and um, if you're familiar with the story, you know that, you know, Jesus uh, came to them, but he came like three or four days later after, after he'd already passed. And I think they were kind of hoping that, you know, he would, he would come and heal Lazarus, but instead Lazarus dies. And, um, and Martha says to him, you know, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You know, and I think, I think we've all been through that moment where it's like, like God, like, if you'd just done this, like couldn't you have just done this for me, you know? But I love what she goes on to say. She says, but even now, I love that phrase, but even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. So she still had the, the faith that, that somehow God would work through it. Um, and I think sometimes that we think that hope is just sort of this positive feeling. It's this emotion that we can just kind of conjure up, kind of like what you talked about with willpower. Um, and the reality is, is that I think that hope kind of... It, just the nature of hope implies a dissatisfactory circumstance, right? Because in order to hope, you have to be looking for something to change. Um, so I think that hope is oftentimes holding that, the tension of the pain um, in hand with our hope for the future and, and with who God is. Um, another thing that he taught me was just to see um, and just take time to appreciate and be grateful for um, just the, the, 
beauty and value that is around us. Um, I I take part in doing like a um, like a gratitude journal now every day, which may sound kind of cheesy, but it helps a ton. <laughs> and uh, I just take time to to thank God for you know His faithfulness for you know my family, my community, this church, um, you know even just simple things, um, the hobbies that I enjoy and that kind of thing, just the good things that, that God gives us because um, I think it's easy to, especially when you're going through a time of darkness, to just focus on everything that's bad. Um, but that exercise kind of helped me to, to recenter and focus on what was good that was going on. Um, and each day I write down five things. And to be honest, it always ends up being more than five. And that's pretty cool. Um, James 1.17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Um, so all those things are the mercies that he gives us um, and the things that we can appreciate and that can help us recenter and focus on who he is. And then probably the, one of the biggest things for me too was just um, he helped me to see that he's always working. Um, that's kind of been a big theme in my life just in general over the past like two or three years. Um, I think about, you know, the song Waymaker that we sing a lot of the times, you know, even when I don't see it, you're working, even when I don't feel it, you're working. And um, that's, that is true. Um, I've been rereading um, the uh, C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia series, um, specifically Prince Caspian, uh, is, is what I just finished not too long ago. And there's this scene where, you know, if you're familiar with the, the stories, um, you know, Lucy and the, the children are about to head into this battle. And um, this Aslan, this sort of Christ-like figure, um, you know, speaking with her and um, she's scared and she's saying, you know, like, I thought that you were gonna do what you did last time, referring to him kind of coming in and, and wiping out the enemy and taking care of things. And, um, and he's kind of telling her, no, I'm not gonna do that, you know? Um, and sort of similarly to Martha, uh, what I was talking about earlier, it was sort of this, you know, um, she was expecting him to act in a certain way and in, in a certain time. Um, and he tells her, you know, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. And she sits with him. And through the time that she's there sitting with him, um, she's encouraged. And she recognizes that just because he wasn't working in the way that she expected or in the timing that she expected, that didn't mean that he wasn't there and that he wasn't working. Um, so what I've been learning is that God's never late. He's always on time and he's always on his time. And because he's good, we can lean into that and trust his nature and recognize that, you know, that's going to go way beyond what I'm seeing. Um, you know, and if I had believed the hopelessness, if I had believed the lies that, that the devil was sending my way last year, like, I might not be able to see the goodness that has been happening over the last year. I might not have been able to, to witness that if I had bought into those lies. Um, so I've just been learning that he is just always constantly working. And a lot of the times we throw in the towel before we get to see that. Um, so yeah, we need to hang on to that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm gonna ask you, you, you've got some really good content here, but I'm gonna ask you for this, this next one, just get, give some quick hitting things. If, if you don't know this, 
Um, everything that we do online, uh, just, just about, Christina is, is doing the content for and pushing those things out and managing those. So what I'm going to ask you to do, actually, is, is make this into a social media post, this next one, and just give us some like, quick-hitting bullet points, because I really want, what I really want you to have more time for is this last question. All right, so in the interest of time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a wrench in, in things, all right, and just quick-hitting for, for the next habits, all right? And then, uh, and then make a social media post. Uh, this is, uh, hold on, staff meeting? And then we'll do a social media post. You could do like the slide thing. This is how it is all the time. No, it's not. No, it's not. Um, so what, what habits, just, just real quick, kidding, what, what habits, spiritual, mental, and physical, have you put into place that have been helpful? And like I said, if you, could, if you just hit, hit some highlights on this, because I really want you to have more time for the last one. Yeah, definitely. Um, so spiritually, um, something that's just been really big, um, obviously just spending more time with God. Um, prayer is huge. Um, Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, do not be anxious about anything. And all the anxious people in the room go, <laughs> but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Um, I used to cringe at those verses, to be honest, because again, it felt like kind of guilt heaping up on me for not being able to not be anxious and, and be peaceful and you know all those other things. But um, but honestly, it's become a source of comfort because what I've recognized is that you know, kind of like what we talked about earlier with hope, um, you know, not not really necessarily always being this this feeling that we that we conjure up. This is sort of similar in that you know this peace that surpasses all understanding. It's not. It doesn't often show up as an actual emotional like. Okay, I'm good, right? It's more like a knowing. It's just something you know. You know that, that things are going to work out. Um, so I think that a lot of the times I kind of misinterpreted that, misapplied it, and thought, oh, I, I'm not going to feel anxious ever. I'm not going to, you know, go through these these things. But but that's definitely not the case. And, and we see people all throughout Scripture feel fear um, and navigate that. Um, and then another thing that I did that may sound a little bit extreme, but it ended up being really helpful was um, I read through the Bible in three months um, with Sarah, our uh, uh, Next Gen Outreach Director. And um, part of the reason why I did that was because um, I think it's really important to be able to see just the grand narrative of God just very quickly and how he's working and moving. Um, so doing that, um, you know, it kind of gave me something to um, help me just see that more clearly, to be able to see how, how God is working and moving back then in the lives of the, of the people that we read about in scripture, and that helped encourage me for my own um, journey with that. Um, so spiritually, that, that was really helpful to me. And then mentally, obviously, like I said, I sought out uh, good Christian counseling. Um, I highly recommend the, the Barnabas Center. We recommend them here at Velocity um, a lot of the times, and, and they've been fantastic for me. Um, I read some really good books that helped specifically with anxiety. That was a huge thing for me, just learning how to navigate that more specifically. Um, and then another thing was just focusing on um, what's true. Um, that may sound kind of simplistic, but um, in, in, in therapy sometimes there's this, um, there's a school of, of thought called cognitive behavioral therapy, and, and it helps you kind of separate out your, your thoughts and your feelings from each other. Um, I highly recommend it. Um, it changed a lot of things for me, to be honest. And uh, what I learned is that you can, uh, like what scripture talks about, take every thought captive and, and submit it to Christ, right? You can really slow, kind of slow things down and, and take time to um, separate out those feelings and thoughts and recognize what's true and, what, and what's not. And that really helped me. Um, and then another thing I did that was huge was um, I have a note on my phone 
um, with just scripture, encouraging quotes, that kind of thing, anything that was going to help me get through a moment of crisis. Um, so I literally have, have things where it's like, you know, if, if, if your thought is this, this is what you need to think instead. Like it's that elementary, it's that simple. Um, but honestly, it's helped me a ton because when a lot of times anxious thoughts seem rational, that's a very like troubling thing. They seem rational. So if I was able to go to that list and see my thought, then it was like, okay, I'm, I'm thinking anxiously. I need to instead think, think this way. Um, so that helped me a ton. Um, and then another big thing for me was uh, just physical things. Um, so like I said earlier, anxiety is very physical and um, there's a big connection just kind of between your, your mind and, and your body and what's going on there. So I started working out a lot more. <laughs> um, I, you know, started to examine, you know, everything I put into my body, you know, food and, and you know, anything with caffeine, that kind of thing. Um, and honestly, that was, that actually changed a lot for me. Um, that actually helped a lot. That was actually one of the, the first really big steps that I took that I felt like helped a ton. Um, you know, I think that looking at, if you're struggling with anxiety, being able to look at it holistically is really important because there were some things that I thought probably weren't a part of it that ended up being a part of it. So that, that can help a lot. Um, time and good Christian community. I cannot stress this enough. Um, I think it just gives you perspective um, and encouragement and it just helps you recognize, um, you know, I think anxiety, like it, it gets you focused on, on, again, what you have going on inside. but being able to hear the stories of faithfulness that other people experience from the Lord just really helped me to go, okay, like he's working in their lives, he's gonna work in mine. Um, and honestly, Velocity was incredibly helpful to me um, after the, that, that panic attack that I talked about earlier where it lasted several days and everything. Um, I actually came to church in the middle of that, <laughs> um, which was kind of crazy, but I, I felt like I just needed to be here um, and there were so many people who prayed for me. Um, I know you prayed for me before the service started and, um, you know, people came around me and, and, you know, they offered to, you know, spend time with me throughout the week. They, you know, someone even like messaged me and was like, hey, I struggle with the same thing. Here's how I get through it. Might not work for you, but, but here's just some things. And that was just super encouraging to me. Um, someone brought us a meal. Um, there are just so many things that, that people did, and um, so I can honestly say that, that this community is a good one to struggle in. Um, we, we can be here for each other, help one another, um, and I'm very, very grateful for that. Um, and then also a lot of it was just action steps. Um, I just have taken a lot of incremental steps to work towards some of the things that I'm afraid of. Um, like I might have said earlier, like a lot of my anxiety was tied into travel, which was really weird for me because I've always loved traveling. So the fact that it kind of got latched onto that was really puzzling to me. So um, I've tried to take incremental steps towards being able to, to travel without having that kind of a panic response. Um, and I'm currently up to four hours away overnight trips, which is pretty solid. <laughs> when your spouse lives, or when your spouse lives, when your spouse's family lives in Indiana, which is 10 hours away, <laughs> got a ways to work up to, right? But, uh, but that being said, that, that's been um, a huge help is just, you know, working on those things incrementally. Um, and there's a um, um, poem that I, that I kind of have been clinging to in this by Elizabeth Elliot, um, popularized by her, that says, um, fear not tomorrow's child of the king, trust them with Jesus, do the next thing. And Robin had mentioned that kind of idea, I think in the last sermon where 
um, you know, a lot of the times what we need to do is just the next thing. Um, instead of looking at, you know, if I'd gone into it going, oh, I need to cure this overnight, that probably wasn't going to be very helpful, but I could always choose to do the next thing. Um, so that helped a lot. And with anything like this, whether, whether it's, you know, anxiety or, or grief or whatever it is that you're going through that's causing you to have a, a time of hope in the dark or a time of darkness, um, all we can really do is, you know, make the, the best daily effort and, and recognize that it's a, it's a journey. You know, it's going to take time. Um, which I was really impatient about at the start of this, but I think that God has kind of led me to a place where I've been able to, to grow in that um, and to be able to surrender my idea of, of time and how it works and, and to be able to cling to him in that. Um, and I did want to throw out there that like, if anxiety is something specifically that you're struggling with, I'm not a mental health professional, <laughs> um, but I, um, I'm offering, you know, please talk to me, um, message me, something like that. I guarantee you I probably can help in, in some way. Um, because I think that, you know, like, a, like we were talking about earlier, these things are, are best worked out in community. Um, and I'm really glad that I reached out when I did. Um, so I want to encourage you that if you're experiencing something like that, to please reach out to me or, or someone else on staff and, and you know, be, um, it's hard to be vulnerable, I think. I was terrified to be vulnerable, but I think it made all the difference. Absolutely. Um, that's, that's the first step, I think. For sure. So just finally, what's, what's the one thing that you want to encourage people with to keep in mind? You know, because again, as we've talked about, we're not just talking about mental health specific things. We're talking about any time we find ourselves in, in these kind of situations where we're struggling with embracing and holding on and, and wrestling with our, with our faith. Um, so what's the one thing you want to encourage people with uh, to keep in mind uh, when they're holding on to hope in the dark? Um, I would just say, you know, remember that, that God's not absent, but sometimes, he, sometimes he's just a little quiet. <laughs> sometimes he's hard to, to, you know, find in the dark, but I promise you he's there. Um, you know, I, um, we talked about in, in the sermon a few weeks ago the idea of being willing to learn and listen, and um, that's something that I've been going through a lot was just, again, the things that I thought that I understood about faith or about anxiety or whatever, I've, I've tried to kind of put them aside and be willing to learn um, in that, and that's helped me a lot. Um, my, my sister-in-law, Ruby, uh, who goes here, she, she uh, quotes this YouTuber sometimes. Uh, it's actually kind of funny because it's not about spirituality at all. I don't think this quote is. I think it's in the context of homesteading, but, um, you know, Bible, <laughs> Bible has a lot of gardening analogies and that kind of thing, so I think it fits pretty well. But um, Jess Sowards is her name, and she says, turn your waiting room into a classroom. Um, and I think that's a really valuable idea to be able to, you know, and it, it helps too to pass the time. <laughs> um, but I think that just um, being able to, um, you know, take a step back and, and lean into how God is working and be, to try to learn from that is really important. Yeah, and WebMD doesn't count as your classroom, like it's not just Googling things, you know, it's, it's some of the things, habits and stuff that you talked about earlier, yeah. Yeah, sometimes WebMD makes it worse. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, and then just, uh, I mentioned this earlier, but, but just keep holding on. Um, I think a lot of the times, help is so much closer than we think it is. Um, and, you know, I, I, when I started to put some of these things into practice, I mean, I had relief from panic within like two months of starting starting this journey. So like, it started to come a lot quicker than I thought it would. I thought it was going to take significantly longer and it, and it didn't. Um, and everyone's stories are different, of course, but I just want to encourage you and that no matter what you're going through, that 
Uh, God is always closer than we think he is. Um, Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Um, I think that I was, like I said earlier, kind of afraid to hope. I felt like it was foolish to hope in a lot of ways. Um, But honestly, as Christians, that's the most correct thing we can do. (laughs) Um, That is the most truthful thing that we can do is is hope. Um, And I think especially like once we've placed our faith and our trust in Jesus, once we've chosen to follow him, um, in him, the best is always yet to come. Um, The future is always greater than our past. And I think a lot of the times we can get caught up in our circumstances and forget that, but um, that's true always. And, and, and nothing can take that away from us. No circumstances, you know, no amount of you know, temptation or anything like that, no, no darkness um, can ever fully take that away from us through Christ. And um, I have hope in that. I have, I have hope in knowing that just the best is always yet to come through him. Um, and I wanted to close on just this, this one last verse that has been a comfort to me. This is Psalm 16, 8 through 11. It says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or, yet, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Thank you. Um, I'm incredibly grateful for Christina being willing to share her story and just the process. And she'd be the first to tell you that, like, we're not talking about this because we've come to the conclusion of the story, right? I mean, life continues on. There'll be times that we we end up on the mountaintop and there'll be times that we end in the valley. We talked about that in the sermon series. You guys can check that out. Uh, later if you want. Um, but one of the things that I think is so important is, is again, this, this way that we hold on hope, hold on to hope communally together is by being vulnerable and willing to share with each other and, and say, hey, look, this is, this is a real thing that we go through, and we go through this thing together, and we can walk through this in, in each other's lives. I mean, I, I can't tell you for me how encouraging it is to know that one of the things that Christina struggles with is anxiety, and so that what's the first thing you do with somebody who's anxious? You mind talking in front of people? Like, public speaking, right? That's the number one fear, you know, out of every person. Who else wants to come on up? You know, no, don't look at me, you know. Um, and, uh, and just how encouraging it is for, for you to just kind of go through, through that process. Um, one, of the, one of the things that's, that's so powerful that I, that I think we, um, I don't know. I don't know if it's just we don't realize or fear, you know, or, or what it is that keeps us from this. But... But when, when we do take that step of vulnerability, like that, that, is, the, that is the step forward that we make to, uh, to the light, through the midst of the darkness. Um, and uh, one of the best ways that we can do that is, is actually um, talk about these things and pray about these things together. You know, Christina mentioned that as, as one of those things, just kind of talking about it. And, and just, you know, whoever, whoever, you know, came along, I know we, we prayed, yeah, we've, we prayed together uh, about those things, but um, just spending that time and that starting point in the communion with God and recognizing that, 
And the, the Holy Spirit is, is with us. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And there's no moment as a disciple of Jesus where the Holy Spirit is not with me. Um, and when we come together and we're gathered together and Jesus is with us and God's presence is in, in the midst of us and, and we're praying in that community, um, that, that, is, that is the best first step that we can take uh, to making our way out of the dark. And so here's what we're going to do. At the, at the very end of the service, if you want prayer, uh, or if you just want to pray for someone who wants prayer, I'm just going to invite you to come up to, the, to my right, your left, just to these first few rows, and we're going to hang out. We'll let people kind of filter out and hang out in the lobby and stuff. But if you want prayer, um, or if you want to pray, just come and join us uh, right, after, right after the last song, after the service. There are a couple of different counseling op- options, uh, uh, places that we recommend. I'm going to put those on the screen, take a picture of those if you want. Obviously, we can email those to you. We can put them on social media, all of that kind of stuff. Um, right now, we are going to participate in communion together. And so every week at Velocity, we take communion. We recognize and remember the foundation upon which we have all of the hope that we need. Because even though in the tension and the darkness of sin the world, our own sin, sin against us, the fact that we live in a world that is broken by it, um, we get to remember that Jesus has already won the victory over those things.